Alright, welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Today we're going to be reviewing the Netflix Castlevania show. Um, I haven't really done the previous season before, and season four just dropped, so as a sort of compromise to myself, so I can geek out about it, um, <laughs> I decided to review all the seasons, so the plan for this one is I'm going to do a brief overview of the first three seasons, and then a bit more in-depth on the fourth season, and then I'm going to try and give my whole thoughts on the series as a whole. Um, before any of that, though, I'm going to start with my just general thoughts on the series, like, you know, whether I recommend it and stuff. And yes, go watch this series. It's wonderfully... It's... It, it, ugh, it's the best. I love it. One of the best video game adaptations ever. Just I'm just saying it. I'm sorry, people. It's one of the best video game adaptations I ever live with it. Uh... <laughs> Now, as for my background, since this is a this is a series adapted, for those of you who don't know, Castlevania is a very famous video game series um, that actually coined an entire genre in video games called Metroidvania. Um, the games focus on in-depth exploration and platforming, like the Metroid series, and so the genre is literally named after the two series who helped develop most of the traits you see in today. So Castlevania's had a lot of games, and I haven't played any of them. Yeah, I actually really like the Metroidvania series. I have a fondness for it. Uh, it's the traits Dark Souls took from it is one of the reasons I love that series so much. Remind me to talk about that sometimes, but not now because I can talk about Dark Souls for literally hours. Um, but I was mostly a fan of the Metroid series as a kid. I had a GameCube growing up, and um, the Metroid Prime series were one of my first introductions to uh, that kind of playstyle, and I really liked them. I beat in both of them 100%, like at least twice, I think, for both of them. Um, I had a lot of time as a kid. So yeah, even though I've never played the games, I do I do know some things about them. I have seen them, and I've been meaning to play Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is like the really famous one that everybody knows. Um, so yeah, from what I've been able to gather, the castle the game it's most of the series is based on is Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse, and apparently like most of the playable characters in that game show up as like the main trio in uh, the show. Um, and so basically, what do you need to know about Castlevania? Okay, Castlevania is a series about killing Dracula. There, I've summarized the entire game series. You might wonder, wait, if this is a series with like 30 games all about killing Dracula, what does the timeline look like? The timeline looks like a comic book timeline where the villain comes back to life every other issue. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Dracula's constantly being resurrected, and they even end up making fun of that in the fourth season, I think. Or not really making fun of it, more commenting on it. I'm not really sure if they're calling, you know, he's resurrecting the games, actually. It's more of, like, just, he, there is a resurrection subplot, which I guess, you know, just, that's, that's the thing in Castlevania. Just Dracula constantly being brought back to life. Um, so, yeah. Uh, in this, in Castlevania lore, there are the Belmonts. They're usually the family of, like, monster hunters that deal with Dracula. Uh, Dracula's castle is occasionally home to a lot of famous monsters. A few of them, I think a few of them show up. Yeah, a few, a handful show up. Uh, it's mostly they, these, like, demon, demon things, but there are a few weird things, uh, weirder things, but, um, so yeah. And, you know, Dracula shows up, starts causing trouble, so Belmont, or his half-vampire son Alucard, or the, you know, wizard, or whoever's around, goes to deal with him. And that's the Castlevania series in a nutshell. You explore the castle, slowly build progress, get more powerful, and eventually you go face the big boss. Uh, not the most complex story. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. Anyway, the Castlevania series starts off with a um, wo woman, what's her name, uh, Lisa Tepish. 
And she's basically like a doctor or physician, or she wants to be anyway. So she goes to seek out Dracula, who in this, you know, he's an immortal, he's been around for a long time, and he's studied basically every subject known to man multiple times over to the point where he's a leading expert in basically every field, magical and scientific. Uh, so she goes to his castle, just walks up to the front door, and is like, you know, I would love to learn, I would like to learn from you. And he asks what she could offer him, and she says, well, I, maybe I could teach you to like people again. And he ends up liking her, and they get married. Um, a few years later, it, uh, his wife, Lisa, while he's wandering the earth trying to reconnect with humanity, his wife is accused of witchcraft because of all the scientific texts and machines she has, and is burnt at the stake by the church. Yeah, that's gonna, um, it, yeah, the church is not presented in a good light, like, at all, but, I mean, for this time period, they really shouldn't be. Uh, yikes. Was not must have not been fun to live live in like what the 1500s or something like that. Ooh, just yikes. Anyway, uh, so they burn her alive. Dracula gets really pissed, appears in the as a flaming face in the fire they literally used to burn his wife, and says, "I will give you one year, and then I'm going to unleash the armies of the dead. I'm going to unleash the armies of hell itself upon you and slaughter everyone in this country for what you did to the only person I loved." Um, so, you know, he gets to summoning his army. A year later, they're all like, oh, Dracula will never hurt us. And then it starts raining blood. Monsters come from the shadows. And everyone starts dying. Uh, this takes off, I think, like a few... The series starts, like, a few months later. We're following uh, Trevor Belmont, the last uh, heir of a disgraced family of old monster hunters who got excommunicated. And he ends up getting roped into these uh, traveling, traveling, like, uh scholars called the speakers uh, going to rescue their heir, eventually finding a secret and another person to help them out down in the catacombs below the city he was visiting and they group up together to go fight Dracula and that's basically the series uh, the first season is mostly them getting together and that's the overall plot uh, that's not really much of a spoiler most of that is just you know getting together that kind of stuff uh, there's a little bit more interesting things on the side with the third character, but I'll get into that once I go into, like, my spoiler discussion. Uh, the series has really good voice acting, nothing too special, but, you know, everyone's doing their job, everyone's showing up, really putting in some effort. Uh, the dynamic between the main trio is fun, nice. They all have a really nice banter, they all play off each other person in the party really well, and they're all distinct enough both in their fighting styles and personalities to be interesting characters. Uh, Trevor is kind of, you know, the old, surly, grizzled monster hunter, drunk, who's, you know, seen he's seen everything. He's the grizzled badass. Uh, Sifa is the wizard. She's, the, you know, the optimistic one, the one who knows a lot of stuff, but also doesn't let Jade her. And then there is the third person, Alucard, and he's, you know, part vampire. He's, you know, not really a fan of doing what he's doing. He's doing it mostly because he thinks his father and the others are wrong, not necessarily because he thinks they're monsters. Uh, he fights more with, like, magically enchanted weapons and power, his own, you know, enhanced powers, uh, that kind of stuff. He has a little bit more quiet disposition compared to the other two, which are a bit, who are a bit more loud. And, yeah. So they play off each other really well. They have a nice dynamic. The animation is fantastic. Um, just absolutely fantastic. There's, I, I genuinely cannot remember ever seeing anything in this thing that was like, eh, that doesn't look right. No, no, everything looks right. Uh, I think the animation studio was Powerhouse Animators. Uh, Powerhouse Animation. 
Um, they did a great job. The fight scenes are a sight to behold, especially some of the ones in the uh, second, the third and fourth season have some beautiful fight scenes just in the second and fourth season. Um, oh, that one fight scene with uh, Hector and um, Car- Carmilla, that was fantastic. Like, if you want to just look up Hector versus Carmilla, that whole scene, just find it, find it somewhere on YouTube, watch it if you're not going to watch the series, because that scene just deserves to be seen. Uh, they're very, pretty good at occasionally labor, layer, layering a lot of actual symbolism into their fights, not just having them be really impressive fight scenes, but that are well choreographed, but also um, adding more depth to the characters and symbolically hinting towards their emotions and the arc, the arc they've undergone and that kind of thing. Uh, which is a lot harder to do than you think while also making the fights look cool. <laughs> Requires a lot of planning. Um, so that's all really impressive. And yeah, so... Uh, I would highly recommend you go see this. Definitely worth your time. It's only four seasons long. Just finished. You can binge the entire series all at once if you want. So, yeah. All right. From this point on, there be spoilers. You have been warned. Okay, so. The first season is the getting the band together season. Trevor goes beneath the city. He finds the wizard uh, frozen by by a cyclops. uh, Because in this world, cyclopses can turn people to stone with their gaze. Uh, he kills it, frees her, finds out she's a speaker wizard named Sifa, and she was looking for a mysterious hero that's rumored to be buried beneath this city. Uh, they find Dracula's, Dracula and Lisa, Lisa Tepesh's son, Alucard, uh, in a healing chamber beneath the city. Apparently, he had disagreed with his father that the, the entire country deserved to be blamed for the actions of a few a-hole bishops. And uh, he said he tried to stop him from summoning you know, his massive armies and wreaking vengeance, uh, Dracula injured him and put him, and he, and Alucard eventually either left or Dracula stashed him beneath the city until it was all over, or until help could be found and brought them to him. Uh, Alucard had apparently been waiting to be awakened so he could, you know, stand against his father. The three of them realize they all have compatible goals, and they decide to, uh, work together. As a half-human, half-vampire, Alucard has some, some of their powers, he's, but he also, uh, can walk around like in sunlight and stuff like that and is immune to some of the more typical weaknesses. And so yeah, that's the first season. The second season is Dracula's having infighting with his vampire generals and his horde of night creatures. You meet his, uh, the two humans that sided with the vampire, Hector and, oh god, what was, uh, I always forget the second name. Um, do, do, do. Hector and Isaac. Isaac. Hector and Isaac. Okay, so they're based mostly Forge Masters. So the Forge Masters in this world are people with magic who can uh, turn, who can basically infuse corpses with the souls from hell and mutate them into, like, demons. So they bring literally the distance of hell up from uh, hell itself to do their bidding. And they're responsible for creating Dracula's army. Uh, you know, the parts of his army that aren't vampires, anyway. So, uh, second season sees the main trio going to a Belmont library to try and find a way to get, get a hold of Dracula's castle, bring it to them since it teleports a little hard to invade, so they can break in and defeat him. Um, they have some really fun dynamics down there. It's all nice and, you know, interesting. Alucard has some darker moments where he sees, like, just a line of vampire skulls in a case, and it's like, wow. And, yeah. And it's like, eh, I'm not a big fan of this place. It's like, oh, right, uh, all the vampire skulls, yeah. Yeah, that would, uh, that makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> uh, so, there's this vampire, um, like, one of Dracula's generals is this lady called Car- Carmilla. And she's, like, the scheming, plotting kind of vampire, you know? 
So she's trying to uh, get Hector, one of the Forge Masters, to defect to her because she thinks Dracula has become really too just disinterested in the, you know, massive extermination campaign. That initial fire he had for killing them all has kind of burned down. He's just like a husk of a person missing the one love of his life and moping in his room while his armies decimate what remains of the human population. His generals are lacking purpose and direction, and she sees him as just a saddled, saddled a-hole who only really has power because, you know, he's had it for so long at this point. She kind of wants to get a coup. She gets Hector, tries to convince Hector to go with her, ends up betraying him near the end, fun fact. Uh, Isaac remains very loyal to Dracula, and both of them are kind of... Hector and Isaac are probably some of the more interesting characters, because they both had very negative experiences with humanity, and so that's one of the reasons they're okay with the human population being, if not eliminated, then, like, reduced to a manageable size, if that makes sense. Because the vampires don't want them all dead. They do need to, you know, feed on some of them for blood. Um, and Hector and Isaac kind of have this very pessimistic view of the world, uh, and part of their character arcs are growing to appreciate their own lives and learning that uh, they could be doing better with it. Isaac learns to uh, stop following the one man who ended up saving him and find forge his own path. Uh, Hector real comes to terms with the mistakes he's made over the years and stops blaming others for them uh, and ends up kind of trying to redeem himself and just live a quiet life, eventually letting go of what he loves when he realizes they... She won't stay with him, that kind of thing. Uh, their character arts are more fun in the fourth season. I'll get to them soon. So, sec- second season ends. They kill Dracula. Um, and storm, you know, storm the castle. They have a massive fight. They kill Dracula and most of his generals. Carmilla makes an escape, takes Hector with her as a prisoner. And the third season is the fallout of that. So, you know, vampires, you know, vampires and weird, weird beasts are still roaming the earth. Uh, there's a strange guy looking for this infinite corridor place that, that, uh, Sifa and Trevor get into. Alucard has some more issues with humanity to add on to his massive pro- problems and trauma. And Carmilla starts scheming to take over the world. Uh, Hector, Hector was saved by Dracula, thrown, thrown miles away through a magic portal before he, he was killed. So, uh, he's wandering the earth trying to find purpose again. And eventually he finds it in trying to, uh, defeat Carmilla and, you know, confront Hector on his betrayal, because uh, he did do some things that can count as betrayal to Dracula, and Hec- and Isaac just really pissed about that. Um, and then the fourth season happens. And the fourth season is basically just the fallout. So people are trying to resurrect Dracula, vampires and humans alike, actually. Um, and Carmilla is falling apart. She's just, like, she has these uh, vampire, three vampire... Uh, you know, like, not like subordinates, but like fellow council members. She's like their leader, but they're like, you know, the badass general, the diplomat, and the strategist. You know, they're her, they're her hands. Carmilla was the one who led them, who organized them, who schemed and plotted, but they're the ones who actually got stuff done. Um, and so, yeah. The fourth season is mostly, you know, Dracula's, people are trying to revive Dracula, uh, Sifa and Belmont, Sifa and Trevor are trying to, you know, put deal with the monsters, help put the world back together. Uh, and yeah, Alucard ends up helping a human town. And eventually, uh, after being dragged through a lot of shenanigans, uh, this human who had been looking for his wife that got lost in an interdimensional portal ends up bringing, dra- trying to bring Dracula's soul uh, back to this world and using alchemy and a lot of stuff that's really confusing. You should just watch the show if you want an explanation on it. Um, and yeah, so 
twist of the fourth season is that the there was this like British ruddy vampire that nobody knows the name of, uh, and he's just like always there as like kind of the joke in the background. But we get these hints that the death itself, like the avatar that, of emotions that like feeds on the concept of death, because uh, in the game is death is apparently like one of Dracula's servants. Like you know how badass is he? he has death as one of his servants, and um. In, in the end, it's revealed that, yeah, this vampire was death itself. That's why nobody knows who he is, because it's freaking death. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, after defeating a few other vampires, you know, deal, Isaac had his confrontation with Carmela, Hector got some closure, and then uh, the main trio fight death itself. Trevor pseudo-sacrifices himself, but he's really revealed to be okay to kill death, or at least dispel him, it's really unclear. Um, and that's, you know, the end of it. They had kind of a happy ending. Like, the world's torched, but the survivors of, like, one, like, you know, all the survivors have been pouring into this last safe haven, Dracula's Castle, ironically enough, and it, the place they had teleported to is near the Belmont Library, so they're going to, you know, learn from both the failings of the vampire hunters and the vampires themselves, use the knowledge inside these places to rebuild a new, new world better than the old, free from its, you know, sins and corruption, that kind of thing. You know, inspiring message of once the, you know, once the tragedy and the disaster ends, uh, rebuilding is what we have to look forward to. That's what you should focus on, not the problems that occurred during it. You should try and move on from the loss and the pain. Uh, you know, all those kind of things. And there's a general sense of trying to take agency in your life. It's a regular theme in the show that, uh, in the fourth season, like, throughout the first three seasons, a lot of the characters were, like, basically just let on the nose like, reacting to what other characters did, uh, except for Carmilla, who was the main, like, actor along with Dracula in those first few seasons. So, and even Dracula was mostly just reacting to the church's murder of his wife, who were reacting to her signs, and, you know, basically all the characters have been just reacting to one another for the whole series. So the fourth season has a lot of the characters introspecting, trying to realize that they need to decide on a path of their own rather than just simply reacting to the actions of others. Uh, Isaac decides to finally form his, recreate an army of, uh, night beasts and storms Carmilla's castle. And there's this really beautiful scene where, uh, Carmilla is basically Hector activates this massive trap for Isaac because he wants to repay his perceived guilty debt for having led to Dracula's death, uh, or at least what he thinks he did to lead to Dracula's death. And he decides to activate this escape plan he had so that Hector can fight Carmilla and she can't escape. Uh, it's basically a magical barrier that creates a, literally just carves a hallway straight through the castle and protects it with a force field and then wraps Carmilla's own office in a force field so she can't leave and the only exit is the one Isaac and his army is coming down. Uh, she's surrounded, constantly killing night beasts. Eventually, she's killed so many of them, the floor is like coated in like a small lake of blood. She's beaten just from the tr- sheer attrition of having killed hundreds of these things. And the whole time Hector is walking down the hallway as the Rivers, as the uh, trickles of blood start overflowing and falling down the stairs in the hallway, and there's these scenes of him slowly walking up the steps as they're coated in blood, and he arrives and has his final confrontation literally on a lake of blood. Um, and it's basically a representation of all the lives Carmilla took through her uh, vengeance and her ambitions and the lives she would have risked otherwise, the lives they've all taken. Um, and they just have this epic confrontation that was literally... The blood of the fallen. 
um, Carmilla, this vampire seductress who had always been so in control and scheming and plotting, and she was, you know, nothing phases her, is now beaten and broken, and Isaac is the one untouched. Isaac is the one uh, cool and collected. I just love that. That entire scene just... There's so much you could read into in that scene. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. The animation, the whole fight, the choreography, even the voice actors. When Carmilla finally decides that she can't win, and she's like, I will not let you kill me, and commits suicide trying to kill Isaac with a magical blast as she stabs herself through the heart. Because uh, that's how petty she was. No, no, no one was allowed to take her life but her. Uh, so yeah, I really like that. I would really recommend Castlevania. It's a series that is a lot of fun, references the video games pretty often, so if you like those, you're going to be in for a treat. And it also just has some of the best fighting animation I've ever seen in a show, period. Like, only Demon's... This is like Demon Slayer level quality, and I, I, I will stand by that statement. So, yeah. Uh, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, let's see, what do we have for next week? All right, so on Tuesday, uh, I'm going to be reviewing... Voyage of Bas- the Basilisks, which is the third book by Marie Brennan in her series that started with The Natural History of Dragons. Really good series. Highly recommend it. And on Friday, next Friday, I'm going to see if I can go see Quiet Place Part 2 because it's coming out uh, this coming week. And I loved the first movie. I'm not sure if it needs a sequel, but, you know, we'll see how it is. Hopefully it's good. So, yeah. See you then. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.